Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. In his first epistle, the Apostle Peter compares the testing or proving of our faith with the refining process that purifies gold. Gold, precious and valuable as it is, is still a perishable commodity. Yet our faith must stand the test even of eternity. Surely, if something temporal such as gold must pass through the fire of refinement, our faith, which is a far more precious possession, must also be tested, refined, purified, and proved. Ron Kangas has joined us. Ron, you were here at the beginning of the week. Now you're here at the uh, end, the bookends of uh, this first week of the life study of Peter. One thing just strikes me already in these first uh, few programs, though there are not a lot of chapters uh, written by Peter, it's all pretty solid stuff, isn't it? It's very solid, and uh, it may strike us as surprising that the Peter that we see in the Gospels, of course, he's under training then, and he's our representative. He's being exposed uh, right and left. And the Peter we see in the Acts, and even in Galatians, in a moment of weakness, uh, we may be amazed that this fisherman would write in such a solid, weighty uh, manner. You know, we're still in the early portion of chapter 1, but it's not too much to say that literally every word is just laden with spiritual significance and and solid and impactful. And uh, it just causes us to realize that on the one hand, Peter was writing according to the Spirit's inspiration, but on the other hand, he was writing according to his constitution. He was someone who lived his Christian life under the government of God. He obviously was a brother whose faith was tested and refined and purified and proved and who realized the preciousness of this proving process. So now, from our point of view, we're coming to his first epistle, and we realize this requires something of us. This is not light reading, and believers who only want their ears tickled or want candy-coated teachings are likely not to pay that much attention But we surely believe that in our listening audience, there are a good number of our brothers and sisters in the Lord that are not only hungry for the solid food contained in Peter's epistles, but need the particular light and supply that Peter can afford. The fact is we are all living under God's discipline. We are carrying out our sojourn on this earth under the government of God. And it is very precious 
to receive ministry from someone who understands what it's like to live in this kind of situation. I would say, Chris, uh, you know, and this is my feeling or opinion, we would have to say, but it's based upon uh, some knowledge and understanding of the theological scene. I would say that very few Christians, including ministers and preachers, give much thought to the divine government and, and to the Christian life as being lived under the government of God. Even the term itself, divine government, may sound strange to some. And so, uh, here we are, feasting on a weighty word on solid food. I wouldn't say it's a challenge, but it is an invitation to the seeking ones among the Lord's people to pause and to pursue and to exercise their whole being to get into this part of the Word of God. Only eight chapters, that's the total of Peter's writing. Compared to Paul's epistles, not much. But without Peter's epistles, we would lack something exceedingly precious. And by the way, precious is an adjective frequently used by him. We really need to open ourselves under the Lord's mercy to hear and receive and assimilate Peter's ministry as it comes to us through the ministry of Brother Lee, always faithful, always pure, if we can present ourselves to the Lord and to his word in this way, I believe we will be richly supplied and profoundly enlightened concerning our Christian journey. Well, let's get to it, Ron. Uh, you mentioned that we are still in the early stages even of chapter 1. We're going to uh, begin with verses 6, 7, 8, and then come back to verses 3 through 5 in our second portion today. But let's read 6 and 7 of chapter 1, 1 Peter. In which time you exult, though for a little while at present, if it must be, you have been made sorrowful by various trials, so that the proving of your faith, much more precious than of gold which perishes, though it is proved by fire, may be found unto praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Here's Witness Lee with our first portion. Ron, we'll come back and talk about uh, this portion, which really is laden with much content. Why you are put into trials that the proving of your faith, why you have to be put into trials, because your faith needs to be tested, need to be proved, just like you study school. A certain time, you need the exam. The exam is just to test your study, to prove your study. And this proving of your faith is much more precious than that, than that proving of gold. The comparison here is between the proving of your faith and the proving of the gold. The gold perishes and is proved by fire. If your faith is the genuine gold, 
these trials will prove it. Just like gold is proved by the purifying fire. That the proofing of your faith may be found unto praise, glory, and honor at the unveiling of the Lord Jesus. This is another particular point for which I love Peter. That unveiling, that means the appearing of the Lord Jesus. Peter indicated to us that today the Lord Jesus is here. What is the Lord's coming back? What is it? Actually, he's here. Jesus never got away. It doesn't mean that he's not coming. It doesn't mean he's not here. But it means he's veiled. And the coming is the unveiling. Could you see this? Many people would think that Christ is not here. No, no, Christ is here. Why? Matthew 28, verse 19 says, He will be with us to the completion of days. He's here. But he's here under the veil. You see, the Lord's coming back is the taking away of his veil. Everybody will see this. But before that time, we see him. He mentioned this clearly in John 14. In a little while, the world people cannot see me, but you see me. Why? Because I live, you live. You and I, we live together. Now, how could we live together? Yeah, you don't see me. Not only so, up to that day, you know that I'm in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. It's not just to live together, but to live co-inherently. Well, Ron, there are at least a couple of points here in this first section, and you can touch them in uh, either order uh, at your choice or your feeling. But let's begin with this last point related to the Lord's unveiling. Of course, the recovery version, as I read in, in its uh, most recent edition, uses the revelation of Jesus Christ. Witness Lee used the term the unveiling, which many other translations use. And in a sense that they are synonymous with the coming of Christ, but they really imply another aspect, don't they? Yes, this is uh, surely the case. Uh, Let's establish at the outset that whether we use the word revelation or unveiling, the meaning is the same. A revelation, especially in a context like this, you know, refers to the removing of the veil. So for convenience now that we've established this, then I'd like to use the word unveiling. The point is that the coming again of Christ will be the unveiling of the Christ who is presently with us. There is an objective and a subjective aspect to so many truths, including the truth related to the coming again of Christ. Yes, on the one hand, he is in the heavens, and he will come from the heavens to near the earth, you know, Mm -hmm. and then to the earth. That is his coming. But from Matthew 28, 
20, we know that the Lord is Emmanuel. He said, I am with you all the days. Well, if he's with us, I mean, that means he's right at hand. Right. Even as we're here in this studio, this precious, wonderful, invisible one is with us. Peter, of course, was rich in his realization concerning this. And in his epistle here, he refers to the coming again of Christ as an unveiling. The Lord is here, but he's here under a veil. When he comes again from the heavens to the earth, that coming again will simultaneously be the unveiling, the revelation of the Christ who has been with us all along. This is quite marvelous. In a very real sense, and I'm referring to the end of the Gospel of John here, in a very real sense, the Lord never left the disciples. He is invisibly present. He is with us all the days. So because he's with us, in a sense, he doesn't need to come from one place to another place. What is needed is for him to be revealed, to be unveiled. And that unveiling, that revealing, will be his coming again. So for the people on the earth, the unbelievers, there will be both the coming of Christ from the heavens to the earth and the unveiling of Christ to the dwellers on the earth. But for us who realize that he is with us, he's our Emmanuel, his coming will be very personal, for it will be the unveiling of the precious Lord who is now present. Mm. An interesting, uh, we maybe take one more minute here before we go to our next segment. I want to come back to the first point that we heard in that section, and that is related to the trial or the testing of our faith. And it's very much linked to this uh, appearing or unveiling, isn't it? It is that we experience the proving of our faith, which proving is more precious than the proving of gold. The comparison is between two kinds of provings. And the proving of our faith will, to a great extent, determine what will be our spiritual condition and situation when the Lord Jesus Christ is unveiled. If we pass through this precious proving, similar to a doctoral candidate passing through his qualifying examinations or the defense of his dissertation, uh, if we pass through successfully, then we will be found in this marvelous condition, praise, glory, and honor at the unveiling of Christ. Right. The opposite is implied here, as John says in his first epistle, chapter 2, that we need to abide in him lest we be put to shame at his coming. Mm. So the proving of the faith is not isolated. It's not separated from the appearing of the Lord. The precious proving of our faith, more precious than the proving of gold, functions to bring our spiritual being into a situation so that we may be found not lacking, but unto praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Mm. 
Well, now I mentioned we will uh, go back in sequence, at least in terms of how the first chapter of First Peter is constructed. We want to pick up verses 3, 4, and 5, which we've looked at before, but we'll see them from a little different angle, I think, in this second section. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, has regenerated us unto a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, unto an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and unfading, kept in the heavens for you, who are being guarded by the power of God through faith unto a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Again, each word meaningful, very meaningful. All right, here's Witness Lee with our second portion. Now, let me uh, have a little fellowship with you. The full salvation of the triune God is number one, the Father's regeneration. The second aspect is the Spirit application. And thirdly, the full salvation is composed also of Christ's redemption. The Father's regeneration, the Spirit application, and Christ's redemption. And this is God's full salvation. The regeneration of the Father brings the eternal life into us. The eternal life has been brought into us, and we have been brought into the hope, the inheritance of the eternal life. The issue of the Father's regeneration is just to bring the eternal life into us and to bring us into the full enjoyment of God as life supply. And this life supply is the living hope. And this life supply is the inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, unfading, yet kept in the heavens for us to participate in daily, hourly, all the time. Have you got it? Uh-huh. The inheritance yours. Presently. It is yours. Today, tomorrow, and for eternity. But in your enjoyment, it is always a hope. Our enjoyment of the divine life is a hope. I'm so vague, yet I still have the hope. Oh, my experience is so low, yet I still have the hope. In the next hour, my experience may be higher. Don't you have such a hope? All the day, all the day, all the day, we are living a life of living hope because we do have such an inheritance. And this is what? This is the result of the regeneration of the Father. Hallelujah. Well, Ron, salvation uh, from the New Testament has a general context at times, but Peter uses it, as we've been uh, talking 
in all the programs this week, Peter uses it in a very specific context. That is the full salvation, the complete salvation that implies some stages. This is a very important concept and one we can't speak of too much, isn't it? You're right, Chris. This is a essential matter. And the truth in the scripture is much fuller than what is commonly taught, especially among a category known as evangelical Protestants today. Just consider verse 5, a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Mm. I mean, this clearly is referring to the future. What salvation is this? The common thought, and it's part of the truth, is that we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and our sins are forgiven and we are saved. We're saved now. By grace, we have been saved through faith. Then why does Peter refer to a salvation that will be revealed only at the last time in the future? This indicates, as the Bible reveals and as Peter knew well, that God's complete salvation is in three stages that correspond remarkably to the three parts of our unified being, spirit, soul, and body. In the first stage, the stage of regeneration, we believe into the Lord, we're redeemed, we're sanctified positionally, we're justified, we're reconciled, we had the forgiveness of sins, The result is that we are regenerated. We're born of God. We're saved from eternal perdition and from God's judgment. But in the second stage, we are being saved. This corresponds to Romans 5.10. Much more, we shall be saved in his life. We're saved from the law of sin and of death and from the natural life and the self and the world and individualism. This is a matter of transformation through the renewing of our mind. Eventually, we will be saved out of the realm of suffering in the soul to the realm of the full enjoyment of the triune God, and that will be the redemption of our body, uh, the transfiguration of our body, the full confirmation to the image of Christ as the firstborn Son of God. And Peter, in particular, had this aspect in mind when he referred to the future revelation of salvation. There will be an unveiling of the consummation of God's complete salvation. And because it's future, there is a hope related to it, and the hope is derived from the divine life dispensed into us in the first stage of God's complete salvation, the stage of regeneration. Even though we enjoy eternal life right now, This eternal life is always inciting a hope in us for more enjoyment, for the enjoyment in the kingdom, for the enjoyment in eternity. And this hope of the further and eventual consummate enjoyment of eternal life is connected intrinsically to the realization that we're still in the process of salvation We're waiting in hope and in faith for the salvation to be revealed at the last time, the consummate stage of God's complete salvation. Much of this will sound new to our listeners, 
I don't want to overstep too much, but just a little bit into your announcer territory. I would encourage our listeners to go back to the Bible, read and reread First Peter, mm-hmm. pray over chapter 1, stay tuned to other programs that will present various aspects of the divine revelation, and then surely read the printed Life Study Messages. And that would be my cue to tell all of those listening how you can receive the printed Life Study Message. It's very simple. You can just call us toll-free, 1-888-543-3788. That's toll-free. Or send email to radio at lsm.org and ask about the two-volume set of First and Second Peter. These would not only be useful to go back and review, but to follow along with us each day. And, of course, in the 30 minutes that we have, we were able just to touch some of the high points in these life study messages. They are very rich indeed. So uh, as we told you, I think alerted you or warned you, however we would phrase it at the beginning of the program, uh, this was a message, and these are books that are very solid and weighty, and this has been solid food today. So we hope you'll come back to it again and again and really digest it thoroughly. There's so much here. Ron, thank you for being with us again and hope you can join us all along through these life studies. In in the eternal life, I hope to do that very thing. And we'll return next Monday as we begin the second week of our life study of 1 Peter. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thanks so much for listening today. Witness Lee's remarkable commentary on the life of Abraham, taken from the life study of Genesis, is now available from Living Stream Ministry in a single volume entitled Abraham Called by God. Abraham Called by God by Witness Lee is available at Christian bookstores everywhere.